Hello everyone, welcome back to Theological Soul Food. So for the ones who are coming back, I'm so glad that you were able to join us again. For the ones who thought to skip the first episode and come directly into the second, the I mean, I feel it, okay, but go back and listen. So welcome to Theological Soul Food. So just kind of give a little bit of background. Uh, Theological Soul Food is a podcast dedicated to calling the black community back to the former state of spiritual satisfaction through engaging conversations, teachings, and, and encouragement. Together we will feast on the spiritual meal that once nourished our ancestors. I'm so happy to be back. I got a, a, a little glimpse of the last episode and was cracking up. I'm trying to tell y'all I'm a comedian. So if you don't know who I am, my name is D Lisa, but I do I go by Lisa. So if you see me out in the streets, call me by my name, Lisa. Okay. What about Lisa? People call me Lisa. They'll be really? like Lisa, Lisa. I get Big D sometimes. What? Okay. Never heard of Big D. Big D. If we got square up. <laughs> You know, D, okay? that's real. I would feel really protected if we had to fight and you okay. with me. I, I would feel protected. Don't let this smile Especially fool you. Especially if you got you. your bag with you. Okay. Not a bag. <laughs> I don't want to know what's in a bag. But anyway. Um, but I am Lisa, for those who do not know me. And my wonderful host, the man who's always dropping knowledge, hey. Pastor Brendan Glass. Hey. Give it up. Boop, 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 boop. I got to insert that. Mine's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for that amazing introduction and thank you for taking over for uh, the introduction duties. I fired myself <laughs> and I promoted you to, to be in the introducing the show. And uh, man, it's, it's good to be back. I'm excited that we are getting this in. The first episode was a blast with my friend and uh, we're ready to go at it and do it again today. You good? Yes, I'm good. I'm feeling pretty good. Um. Pastor Glass, so I'm a little bit nosy. What you been up to? Man, listen, I just got back from Grand Canyon. A little trip with my friends, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited to uh, I'm excited to be here. It was a good time, you know. I I I have something that not many people can say they have. What's that? And I have friendships that last thirty plus years. Come on. Thirty plus year friendships. Thank you. Man, listen, these are my boys. Travel down the road <laughs> and back again. Listen, it's the same story. I mean, some friend, one friend I've, I've known my whole life, and we still friends. That's stay together. Up. So we went to Grand Canyon, and uh, we was joking. We was just really joking, like, what if, what if, like, one of my friends, true story, one of my friends, you know, he got a little too close to the edge, uh-uh. and the wind blew. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. He almost had a heart attack because <laughs> he did the Titanic pose. I hope man, he did the Titanic pose and, and went blue back. And we just kind of, you know, we goofy. So, you know, once everything was fine, uh, we uh, we laughed about it. And we said, man, what if in like the almost 300 years of America, he fell down? I, we believed that he would be the first African-American mm-hmm. to die at the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. We didn't look it up because, you know, we don't usually go out like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We usually don't. Y'all crazy. Because, <laughs> first of all, I'm not going to go and look in a hole. Because <laughs> that's what you do. You're just looking in a hole. Yeah. Y'all crazy. And then get to the edge. Need to change your life. Now, we didn't do it. Like, he just, it was a second. Because, you know, it was crazy because there's some parts of the Grand Canyon where, you know what I'm saying, there are rails. And there are other parts where there are no rails. And you could literally go up to the edge and just end it off. Absolutely if you to. not. Y'all live life on the edge. Mm-hmm. So it was no, good thank time. you. No, thank you. <laughs> Grand Canyon is beautiful. Everybody go see it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can step back I, and still see the beauty and the majesty. You don't even want to go close to it. If I fall in, you're, you're going to die. I'm going to die and I'm coming back to haunt somebody. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I'm coming back. Because why y'all let me fall in? That's the question. I looked it up. They say, like, was like, I think it said, like, 12 people die there annually. Absolutely not. That's y'all's. Not all of them fall. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just other stuff, heat stroke, stuff like that. But a couple people do fall. We got to look at the statistic. If people dying every year, (laughs) and it's more than three, at that point, you're the problem. 
<laughs> it's a beautiful thing. So that was my weekend. How about you? What you been up to? Ah, basketball. Basketball. Coaching these little girls in basketball. Six and seven year Five, six and seven year olds. Who don't who know how to play, but don't know how to play. And don't know how to pass. <laughs> so. Yeah. So. But it was good, though. It was yeah. really good. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's ball hog age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's ball hog age. And it's so funny, man, because you can tell their parents. I wasn't this way. You got parents where it's like, look, you get that ball, you shoot. You shoot. <laughs> Don't pass, you shoot. And I was just so frustrated. That's not the game. That's, that's, that's not the that's game. That's not the game. Pass the ball. No, right. But anyway, so that's us, y'all. Uh, you know what? That was five minutes of talking about the Grand Canyon and <laughs> basketball. So hopefully people didn't tune out. Don't we tune out. Here, we still here. We're going to get to it. Stuff. We're, We're here to talk about the church. Talk, talking about the church. The African-American church, the black church, which was once the, the, the bedrock of the African-American community in the last few years, though, however, the church has been experiencing a, a rapid decline. But it started to level off, though. Um, but African-American spirituality, which what is what we're most concerned about, um, not so much church attendance, mm-hmm. but just spirituality um, and, and this kind of the void that is in the black community as a result of us kind of laying down the faith of our grandparents, like we talked about in our last episode. Uh, but the church was amazing. I, had, I mean, I had some pretty good, I had a good experience growing up in the African-American church, the black church, fellowship, missionary Baptist church, in East 55th in Lexington in Cleveland, Ohio. Rep it. Yeah. 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 But it, it was a good time. You had some fun there sometimes. So okay. how about you? You had any funny stories about church growing up? Any funny stories? What something funny since you say you're a comedian? Tell us something yes. funny. Yes. So, I mean, my, my comedy comes from traumatic experiences. <laughs> um, uh, I think one of my funniest moments, and I'm still embarrassed to this day, so I sang. <clears throat> I sang wait, a little what? bit <clears throat> in the choir. Uh-oh. And uh, we had all the choir or the praise team? Praise team and choir. And so I <laughs> it was pray it was altar call mm-hmm. and we singing down. I mean, I'm singing down. What was the song? Oh my God. Um oh, I can't remember it. <laughs> I just blinked. Lord, don't judge me. Um, but I was singing down and we was done. And everybody, I mean, people's hooping, hollering, falling mm-hmm. out, sweating. Pastor, going in, and my clumsy self, I was going up the stairs. We were done singing. Uh, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, All into it. Tell me why I climbed up them stairs, missed that last step, and ate it right on the pew. I will never forget the pew that sat on the little stage oh, for the pastor. Not the, the sacred one. Not the sacred one. Ate it. Whole church stopped. <laughs> uproar of laughter are you serious yes i'll never forget i wanted to just re- withdraw my membership then just just walk out <laughs> never hear from me again i came with my grandmother so <laughs> was, like, was she laughing she was laughing too she on the organ cracking up she stopped playing i mean and i was just like at this point lord just just take me now the rapture, just go ahead and usher oh, it out, cause I could go no. at this point. And you was feeling, you was high in the Holy Ghost. I was hot. Listen. And then fell in the Holy Ghost. Ate it. Ate it. Oh. Church was over at that point. <laughs> like where was it? Like so that you said it was altar call. So it was end of All, service. It was end of service. Now, gratefully, it was end of service, so I didn't have to sit in embarrassment too much longer, <laughs> but. I'll just never forget. And I mean, I missed that last step. I, and I felt I was on high, too. I was like, yes, we sang down. The Lord came in. Everybody's moving. Hallelujah. And then, boom. Right. So I have a question, though. Like, I have a question. Like, because, you know, you got carpeted sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. You got wood sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the sound of the fall? This, it was just a loud thud. It wasn't like a ba-doom. It was like a boom. It was like a boom. <laughs> and I just kind of laid there for a second because what can you do? Man, you're supposed to act like the Holy Spirit. Just You just <laughs> fell out. That's what you're supposed yeah, to do. I, but I was also scared. You don't do that. I was scared. <laughs> 
to fake like I got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but everybody like, knew. Everybody knew. Everybody knew it was it was like a legit false. So everybody just started laughing at me. I was like, oh, Jesus. That's what added the laughing probably added to my my traumatic experience with the black church is y'all's fault. Mm. It's y'all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say on behalf of the black church, we sorry. It's but usually fault. when people take L's and stuff like that, it's usually not the laugh. It's usually the oh. You know what I'm saying? The, oh, Mm-mm. it was a whole laugh, man. What would you prefer, the ooh or the laugh? I neither one. <laughs> I would prefer not to fall. What do you mean? Uh, I would prefer not to fall at all. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Well, we got a lot of funny stories, man. We're gonna get through those. But what, like, like for you? What's tell me one thing that you will always appreciate about the black church? I will always so. I think the one thing, so it's two of them. Mm-hmm. The one one thing that I will always appreciate about the black church is, a, well, for, as far as for mine, because we were apostolic, so mm-hmm. speaking in tongues and hooping and hollering and running around the church, that was encouraged, right? Mm-hmm. So if you needed a good run, get your steps in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, if you needed a good step, you just got to go to an apostolic church, <laughs> run around the church. Right, right, right. And then the second part, a good Sunday nap. You mm. can't tell me nothing. <laughs> and if I don't get it, I got an attitude. Mm. Yeah, that's a enough. good sign. Because after that hooping and hollering, you tired now. Yeah. You worn out. You need a good um, a meal and a Sunday nap. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't go to a hooping and hollering, shouting <laughs> church, or running around church. My church was a Baptist church. It was, you know, they, you know, we got it in a little bit, but it wasn't, it was a little bit more conservative. So, but when I got home, I wanted to play or watch the Browns. And I rarely ever took a nap because it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like school on Monday. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to like enjoy my last little bit of freedom until I go back to school. So I'm mm-hmm. playing. But I remember a couple of times, man, those were the most epic naps oh. when I went to sleep on Sunday after church. Especially if you had like a worship moment with Jesus. Yeah. And I'm you sobbing, crying, snotting. You go home and lay down. Yeah. You would have thought you just got your butt whooped. <laughs> That's the second best nap. <laughs> That that is the second the second nap. best nap ever. Cause you wake up, you don't know who you are, <laughs> what happened, why life is lifing right now. Yeah, yeah, that's real. I never thought about that because I do remember a couple times by accident I fell asleep after church. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was an amazing. You woke nap. up at nine p.m. You may not even eat dinner. Yeah, I remember that. Nine p.m. I sure, that that happened. That had to definitely happened to me. At that point, get a couple bites, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Go back to go sleep because your parents, your parents ain't gonna let you stay up. So right. So, all right, man. Well, yeah, man. So, <laughs> so many amazing things about the African American church, man. And it's our culture. It's who we are. So we gotta yes. talk about it. I get a little frustrated though. Um, and this will be a later episode of how the church is so caricatured, mm-hmm. the black church. I don't see anybody, like especially on social media, I don't see any other culture doing that to their church or their religious system as much as we do ours. And I get it. It's it's about fun and it's comedy. And I know it's keeping things light. But, like, I don't see anybody. Like, there's, a, you know, there's those sites like, what, Church of Funny? and Yeah, uh, uh, Funny. I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, those though, type like of things. TikTok like, and stuff like that. Dedicated yeah. to just making fun of what's going on in churches and i'm like man that's not really helping our cause none it's not but again and i stand firm on this laughing through those traumatic experiences <laughs> so they like when you see these things you was like oh that was me i feel seen yeah i feel seen um but that it's like it reminds you that you are not alone yeah. <laughs> in these experiences so yeah. Yeah, so for me, my problem is, you know, my boys, like the ones I was just telling you about, like, it's super funny, and we're crazy, and like, and we got, you know, we got snagged by Jesus at a very, you know, relatively young age, mm-hmm. so, you know, we used to go to different church programs and stuff like that, man, and, dog, like, the the the, the amount of comedy that would go on programs, mm-hmm. yeah, open mic and testimonial service and people getting up saying too much, and and it's it's a church service. It's not the laugh factory. Right. So you have to muffle your laughs. And you got to hide your laughter. And you couldn't sit next to certain people. Yeah, you can't sit next to certain people. I mean, to the now granted to this day, there's certain people at Spam Ministry I cannot sit <laughs> next to because they will get me in trouble. See, 
What they names eat? No, I'm playing. <laughs> you won't get me, sir. Uh, <laughs> snitches not, get stitches. I'm not snitching. <laughs> cool. I just right, get into some talking for a little bit. Yes, let's that's what you. they want here. Like you talk, we want to learn something. So the Bible's a pretty important book, isn't it? It it is. It's, it's the foundation it's the of. Foundation. It, I would say it's the foundation of a lot of things. Yeah, man. Yeah. So tell me, Pastor, a little bit about the Bible. What what is the Bible? Cool. So Bible is, we believe, the inspired word of God. And that's where it get a little that's where it gets a little tricky because people are like, well, man wrote the book. You know, man wrote the book. But the Bible is a book written in partnership. The Holy Spirit and man. Mm-hmm. We have a problem with the man part. We don't have a problem. Like God got his part good. He's straight. But what we have is a problem with the fact that man was involved with it. And that's how God does things. That's how he deals with creation. If you think about it, in the Garden of Eden, it was a place that was not just for Adam and Eve. It was a place for Adam and Eve and God. The Bible says that God came down and walked with them in the cool of the day. God always wants to be incarnational. He always wants to be a part of us. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that God made himself a part of us is by being in this word, giving us this Bible. And that Bible is, uh, like you said, it's our foundation for everything that we are to know, believe, and experience uh, when it comes to God. I like to say that the Bible is kind of our boundary markers. Okay. You know, you, know, you play football, you know, okay. you got your out of bounds. And you just got to know the boundary markers so that we don't stray too far outside of it. I'm glad you broke that down because I was like boundary markers. Yeah. What is that? Okay. I mean, because you know how. I mean, because when, because that's the thing. Like when people in church, when people are preaching, and it's off, it's because they went outside the bounds of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you know, and when people want to kind of impose their will with, um, and, and it's not exactly aligning with what God has. For the people, mm-hmm. you know, some people say things like, well, you know, God told me, which is the trump card. Right. And what happens is a lot of times when people say God told me, that is them saying, I now have the authority and the right to go outside of bounds, go out of bounds or to not even check with the boundary markers. Right. Which is what's problematic, man. And many people, myself, I've done it plenty of times and I've been hurt by that plenty of times. The whole God told me. But we got to stick to the word of God, man. So the word of God is that book that God gave us. We call it specific revelation. Okay. Versus general revelation. General revelation is looking in the sky, looking at the stars, looking at the trees and saying, this came from somewhere. There must be a God. But where did it come from? <laughs> There's a creator. <laughs> There's a creator. I mean, I, I mean, I, one of my favorite little... Uh, sayings that people say is it takes a whole lot of faith to believe it takes more faith to believe there is no God than to believe there is a God okay because you're going to fight tooth and nail I've seen people fight tooth and nail mm-hmm. to, to prove that there isn't a God and I'm like bro you might as well just <laughs> come on over let it go usually when people are atheists and I've done a lot of ministry and done a lot of evangelism atheists mm-hmm. I like challenges like that I mm-hmm. like to challenge and I like to you know my my thing is to just not so much look at it as a challenge, like I'm out here to, you know what I'm saying, like you know, prove like you look, wrong. Yeah, or... prove people wrong mm-hmm. or like I'm trying to prove I'm a I could beat up every kid. And I'm trying to challenge I'm not talking about like that, but I like the the challenge that they present to me mm-hmm. with their arguments, um, and, and the things that they have to say. But one thing I found with a lot of atheists is a lot of them are just really mad at God. Yeah. Or they're mad at the idea of God or the concept of God or the philosophy of God. Right. And what it usually comes down to, and we'll talk about this in the future, is this thing called theodicy. Big word. Theodicy basically means, or the theodicy question is the question of, if God is real, then how can evil exist with it? With him. That's another episode. Oh, that's another episode. We're going to talk about that now. If God is real, how can a God who is good it coexists with evil if he has the power to eliminate evil. Yeah, I got some questions on that one. So what the theodic, theodicy question is, you know, we try to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, 
the it's um well since there's evil that means there must be no god mm. so i remember when i was in college one guy you know his mom died another guy you know he was uh another person who was atheist uh, he was abused. Mm-hmm. Another young lady I mentioned who was atheist. Uh, she was rejected out of her, out of her family um, because of um, um, because she has same sex attraction. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like I'm experiencing all this bad, but you're trying to tell me at the same time this all powerful good God exists. Mm-hmm. It's like if I'm I know how to swim, so if I'm walking down the street and I hear a little kid in the backyard drowning in a swimming pool, I know how to swim. I have the power to go do something, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And people are like, how can God sit back and watch us drowning in the swimming pool if he has the power to do it? Right. So that's one of the reasons that I believe people are really atheists and have problems with God. But that's uh, that's that, that's a good one. We got to make a note of that one to make sure we talk about that. Oh, definitely. In the future. So, Pastor Glass. Yes, yes, yes. Help me out. Help me out. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people have a problem? Getting back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people have a problem with the Bible. I like I can tell you why. I have some issues with the Bible. Talk about it. I'm so sorry <laughs> for those who's gonna have it. But this is why we are here. Honest conversation. Okay. Give okay. it to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> let me get let me get comfortable. Come on. So one of the issues that I have with the Bible is that It was always taught that if you're having issues, just just turn to a random scripture in the Bible and that should be able to fix your problem. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I got older, I realized that that's this. The Bible is not just a magical word that you just say this word over and over and it's going to fix Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of deterred like it it became an issue as far as it turned like I'm not going to read this from the standpoint of it's going to fix my problems. Um and I guess that was the lack of understanding that I had that you're not reading it to get that magical word. You're getting it to get a better understanding of maybe why you're going, going through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just maybe find a little bit of comfort in that. But it was growing up, it was like you were throwing these scriptures like weeping may endure for a night, but mm. joy comes in the morning light. Um, <laughs> and it was, that was just, well, you supposed to recite that? A million times and morning light comes and now you're better. But no, morning time came and I'm still feeling the way that I'm feeling. So reversing that thinking, it just it took a long time to to do that. Yeah. And then the other side of having my issue with the Bible is, is I can't I cannot read it. <laughs> I cannot. The King, the, all the versions, the mm-hmm. King James Version, having the begat this person to begat that person and I'm trying to dive deep into it, really get it to my word. And it's about 50 million baguettes. At that point, I checked out. I don't got mm. nothing else for you. We're going to have some fun on <laughs> Theological Soul Food because that's going to be an episode where I'm going to break down the significance of the daggone uh, baguettes. Baguettes, the, the genealogies. And you're going to be like, wow. Well, All right. So here, here we go. Okay. All right. Ready for this? I'm ready. Black Panther. Watch it. <laughs> now watch it now now remember the tree of the ancestors i do all right that was pretty dope wasn't it it was pretty significant right i, I got slinted eyes what you about to say no oh. I'm, I'm with you because okay. what happens is we look at stuff in the bible and unfortunately what we have done and this is why this broadcast is here is what we have done is we've made it seem like um everything that is pan-african mm-hmm is a complete anathema to the Bible. It's a complete opposite. It's completely on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's the result of colonism, okay. colonialism, excuse me, um, colonization. So Black Panther, mm-hmm. you have this tree of the ancestors mm-hmm. where you go there and all your ancestors are looking at you. And the thing is, what if you don't know who those ancestors are? Okay. <clears throat> If you don't know whose ancestors are, then guess what? That tree means nothing to you. Mm -hmm. Each ancestor has a story. Each ancestor has something significant about them. Each one is a significant part of the narrative of Wakanda. Okay. That's why the lineages are there. The lineages are not just there to tell time or to say who gave birth to who. Mm -hmm. But the lineages are there because they have significant meanings for 
the story okay. that the Bible is about to tell. Okay. So most lineages in the Bible are transitional points. So it's like, all right, we done, you know, we done talked about Adam and Eve. We done talked about the flood. We done talked about Cain and Abel. We done talked about all this other, the Tower of Babel. We done talked about all this other stuff. Now it's about to talk like big, you know, big events, big events where the focus is not so much on the character. Now it's time for us to talk about a character who is the father of the nation. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about how he came to be. Okay. And that's a transition point. So up to that point in the book of Genesis, we're talking about creation. We're talking about why the world looks the way it looks. Mm -hmm. And now let's get specific. Before we get to the specifics, we got to talk about all these people who have something significant connected to everything that happens before Abraham. Okay. So you got to think about it like when uh, in Black Panther 2, mm -hmm. when homegirl goes and the first person she sees is um, Killmonger. Yeah. The only person she sees is Killmonger. Right. And she's talking to Killmonger and Killmonger is basically like, which way you going to go? Right. My which? way. Watch this. My way mm -hmm. or the ancestors way. Right. All right. Something like that. Right. Which, if you haven't seen Black Panther, Pastor Glass just ruined it for you, so I'm so sorry. Man, it is February. <laughs> Some people haven't seen it. <laughs> if you ain't seen Black Panther by now. <laughs> That's your fault. That's your fault. It's on Disney Plus now. <laughs> but, I def okay, so I definitely get what you're saying. It was just hard. First of all, you can never, you never know how to pronounce a name. It literally be yeah. like, Shamana, mm -hmm. Begat. Circea or something like that and mm -hmm. I literally be like Lord this is not relevant to me but I get what you're saying it's painting that picture of how we got from point A yes. to point B okay. it's relevant for the narrative got you it's not relative to our individual lives and this is one of the areas where we need to do a better job in church because mm -hmm. you know we do not we do not explain all of the different genres within the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible is a mythological poetic book. All right. Mm -hmm. Now I don't, and I'm not saying mythological in the post enlightened 2023, we need to look at the Bible as if we're talking about Zeus and all mm -hmm. that. No, 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 no. It's based on reality. It's based on truth. It's based on revealed knowledge given to us by God. Um, but we just don't want to read it. Like we just don't understand how to read it. We don't know how to read it. We're not a, uh, we don't know how to apply things properly in the way that the authors intended for us to, to read them. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's the reality of it. Right. The reality of it is the Bible is not a magic book. It's not a potion. Right. It's not something that we read in order to like, all right, I got, uh, I got a headache today. <laughs> go, Isaiah, bio strikes is healed. Say that three times. All right, headache gone. Click your heels together. Click your heels together. <laughs> no, man, that's not the Bible. Yeah. Not what it's for. Now the Bible does tell us, um, you know, Psalm chapter one, we are to meditate on the word day and night. And that literally means we are to repeat the word over and over and constantly mm -hmm. within ourselves because we are created to be formulative beings. So that word, as we're recreating it and we're reciting it, is formulating us. Mm -hmm. It's formulating us to think a certain way, see a certain way. Repetition is what creates us to be who we are and how we act. And yeah, the Bible does tell us and instruct us to do that. But it's just like, you know, you reference um, your grandmother a lot in the last episode. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the way you reference her, it's like, man, you could tell you have a great, amazing relationship with the grandmother who um, obviously has impactful in your life yeah seems like there's some love there yeah okay um there are times where it would be appropriate where you know there were times i'm sure in life where it's just like man i just want to talk to you right okay or i need to talk to you mm -hmm. i'm going through something i want to talk to you i'm going through this i need to talk to you right now did you believe the conversation was going to take the problem away always not always Sometimes. Was, so, if like, you're looking for answers, but like if I'm like feeling bad about a circumstance and I need to talk to somebody. Let's just say I bring up a hypothetical situation. You know, let's just say you went to the store and someone stepped on your kicks and you put them in a chokehold, mm -hmm. slammed them to the ground and kicked them. Sounds like me. 
up. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Lisa's <laughs> not violent like that, y'all. y'all like, what kind of co-host? I chose violence. <laughs> and you get arrested. Mm-hmm. And you get convicted. And they say you got to do three to five. Mansfield. Mm-hmm. And one of the people you, you would have wanted to talk to, I want to talk to my grandmother. Is she going to take the sentence away? No. But the conversation still might give you a little something. Right. It would just, it would give me a little bit of comfort. Exactly. And so it's, this is, as it, as it is with God, mm-hmm. as it is with his word, mm-hmm. the word of God is there so we can spend time with him as he revealed himself to us. That's the purpose. That's the point. That's why we are to look at the word and read the word. It gives, it's the revelation. It's God revealing himself to us and it keeps us in bounds. So for example, when we go out of bounds, we look Mm -hmm. at the Bible and say, oh, God is a magic genie. Right. God is a, uh, uh, God is a Santa Claus. Um, God is a servant. Right. (laughs) God is here to serve my needs, you know. Uh, this is one of the reasons, I mean, I got caught up in it. Most people got caught up in it. But one of the things that I'm really trying to do is speak against and preach against and provide healing for so many of us who were abused by the prosperity gospel movement. Oh, my gosh. Because that was them going out of bounds. I feel like you could speak on that. Oh, we're going to talk about that a lot because so many people right now, that's one of the reasons people are going to do it to church. Exactly. You get promised. Buy this prayer cloth <laughs> that's been anointed by 18 pastors right right and you're gonna have a million dollars in your paycheck paycheck. (laughs) like it just and it goes back to back in the days growing up with the infomercials about Mm -hmm. the prayer cloths and the magic waters and (laughs) i don't want how many have you bought lisa i've never bought (laughs) i've never bought any but i i know people who have and i and at the time you just thought that it was something normal and a lot of those pastors aren't even around but it, it just puts me in the mind of and no all shade to him but past uh what's his uh Ernest Ainsley yeah but yeah. again another day <laughs> yeah another day i mean yo we here now right True. We, we we are we, here we now. here i mean like, there's so much abuse that we that has to be undone and so many people are just done with the church because People played off of their, I'm not going to say they played off people's ignorance, but they did not check their desire. Mm-hmm. You had so many preachers and pastors who just, they got into the ministry with unchecked desires. Right. Let me let me break some down to you real quick. Break it down. I made this post once. There's this document called the Didaki. The Didaki is an ancient document. They don't know how old it is. Mm-hmm. But before the Bible was widely uh, disseminated, they believe that, well, these were the passed down teachings of the apostles. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, this is what the apostles taught. And it was oral tradition mostly. So in like the second or third century, um, they actually wrote it down, said, this is the Didache. And it was like, these, these, is, this, these are the principles. These are the teachings. These are the philosophies that they had. And this mm-hmm. is what they, their churches, the people that they discipled, this is what they all knew. One of the provisions or, or one of the teachings in the Didache says this. It says, if a prophet mm-hmm. asks for money in the spirit, mm-hmm. reject him. He's a false prophet. Wow. <laughs> Marinate on that for a minute. Okay. Reject him. He is a false prophet. Wow. But it says, if a prophet in the spirit asks for money for the poor, mm-hmm. receive him as a prophet. Which is. Okay. Okay. Are, I think we're a little far away from that. We are very far <laughs> from that. <laughs> very far. But we're very we're we're very far from that cuz a lot of I, I mean let's just let's just keep it all the way real. A lot of pastors aren't asking just TikTok alone. I saw a video the other day where um this girl went to her cousin's church um, because she felt that the cousin felt something was off and the pastor was asking or not even asking, basically like demanding people give money. And mm-hmm. if you weren't given money at that very moment, he was kicking you out of the church. Yes, yes. Not God. 
And I was like, but, and you become numb to it. You're just like, it, over the years of seeing so many prosperity preachers, and that's, to me, that's normal. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that bully, the, the bully pulpit. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate because, you know, as African Americans, you know, we, 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 let's just say what it is, as a community, as a collective, we have little to nothing. Right. So now, you have this person who is saying, well, God wants you to have everything that you don't have. Mm-hmm. That's an appealing message. That's a very appealing message. Just like when Moses goes to the Israelites and says, well, God wants you to have freedom. Right. That's pretty daggone appealing. Right. And it's the same type of, it's the same pool. So you have people who are literally in the Egypt called poverty Mm -hmm. and they're saying, well, look, God wants you to be rich, not out of poverty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God wants you to be rich. And it's just like, that's not like people you're selling false hope. Right. And we buy into that. And people were desperately in need of the prosperity gospel to be accurate. Right. They needed it to be right. I need to be right so that I can feel good about my life. Exactly. I can have some dignity. Exactly. I can finally uh, have a, uh, I can finally get my bite out the American pie. Mm-hmm. American pie. American dream. American pie is a movie. Yeah. American dream. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, want, I want a piece of that. I, I deserve a piece. I mean, it was just terrible, man. So, But this is because these are all what we're talking about, like the abuses of the Bible. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to transition a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. If I get too deep, pull me up. Okay. <laughs> That's I why you. you're here. Um, that, don't, that didn't start. That's not a recent phenomenon. Right. Okay. It's a word. It's called hegemony. Hegemony? Hegemony. Basically, what that word means is people in power. Okay. All right. So, the people in power have the ability to direct the lives and the narratives or even the day-to-day thoughts Mm -hmm. of those not in power. Okay. So the people who are considered the hegemony are those who have the power over others to basically almost control everything about their lives. Okay. All right? So... When you have in the colonial times, or not colonial, the times of colonization, you know, you have all of these colonizers Mm -hmm. uh, going into these different lands and uh, basically abusing, exploiting, Mm -hmm. raping, pillaging Mm -hmm. all of the resources in the land, including people. But they are, they are doing it with a cross. They're doing it under the banner of the God who is love, the God who is just. Everyone always says, I wish I could go back. <laughs> to Like, I wish I had a time machine and go back. And sometimes I do and just want to be like, what is y'all doing? Yeah. Because Jesus did not say this. This is not, uh-uh. No. This ain't it. Like, if you're really going back to the Bible, God mm-hmm. talked about love, loving your neighbors, all those things. Mm-hmm. So you come into a whole country, mm-hmm. picking me out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Talk about you're going to be a slave, and the Bible says it. Mm-hmm. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So but back then, you don't, you don't know. And the problem is, the white, it, it's, it's Willie Jennings. Uh, Professor William Jennings, he calls it white hegemonic imagination. They created this entire narrative so that colonization would fit into Christianity. I can't wait to get to heaven and Jesus be like, you know you was wrong, right? (laughs) You know you're not about to come up here, right? (laughs) I just want, we on the same page. Yeah, Jesus, I knew it. I do it. I'm going to hell. <laughs> you know that song, I got a robe, you got a robe, all the guys should have got a robe. Yeah. When I get to heaven, going to put on my robe, going to walk around heaven today. Yeah. So the slaves used to sing that. Mm-hmm. 
And um, there's this guy, what's his name? Melvin. Uh, okay, he wrote this amazing book um, on the, like like prayers of the African-Americans through the ages. Melvin something, can't remember. Um, and he says, the slave actually, there's another verse to that or another little stanza they would say. Mm-hmm. And it was, not everyone who thinks they're going to get there going to get there. And the slaves used to look at the master's house when they sang that verse. <laughs> Childish. <laughs> <laughs> and they was probably singing it. Oh, they, that, they got loud on that part. Yeah. No, <laughs> gonna make it to heaven. I'm sorry if that was loud. <laughs> you won't make it. Man, no, man. So they got it. They understood. They understood it, man. I can't wait till we get into that. I can't wait till we start talking about the the, the Christianity of slavery. But what happens is, you know, they had to. They started. They started to. Um, they started to 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 to. Uh, the word, the Bible was became a tool so that we could shape the narrative so that colonization, slavery, exploitation will fit into it, mm-hmm. and. There's a guy uh, by the name of, uh, what's his name? Isaac Watts. Thank you, Dan Barton. Uh, he helped me, got me a little bit of research on Isaac Watts. Um, he's a person who like wrote a lot of Christmas carols. I think he wrote, what, uh, what did he write? Joy to the World. Okay. Um, he wrote this. But, you know, it was just normal life for them to like change things, you know what I mean? From their perspective of, um, you know, the majority, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Uh, the majority culture. So, there are actual scriptures in the vernacular Bible, you know, which basically a Bible that was written in, in the language of the author okay. for the people. So they have this vernacular Bible um, that, and Isaac Watts wrote like uh, some, he like uh, wrote some some psalms. Mm-hmm. And one of the psalms was, uh, or he rewrote, or he edited the psalms. And one of the psalms, I can't remember what it is specifically, um, but what it talks about, like, how God has preserved the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. He, like, changed it to, like, God has preserved the, nation of, the islands of Britain. Okay. So he's, he was remixing. He remixed it. Okay. Yeah, he remixed it a little bit. Um, you know, he, uh, so here's what happened. All right, so just so think what that's saying. Okay. So if I'm saying God has preserved the British Isles, what mm-hmm. does that say about every other nation? That y'all nothing. <laughs> that y'all nothing. <laughs> so when these things are happening with the Bible, it is creating within uh, the world this mm-hmm. idea of this cultural hierarchy, and people have used the Bible to mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, the white hegemonic imagination, which is what Willie Jennings calls it. They have used the Bible uh, to kind of support this cultural hierarchy or this racial hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And it, that stopped there. There's this thing called, everybody look it up, Google it, the slave Bible. You ever hear the slave Bible? I feel like I have. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever like t- taken time to sit down and, and actually like research or read it only because I feel like it would make me upset. It probably will. It definitely will. But yeah, that's another. It's a book. Um, uh, uh, it was a Bible. I'm not even call it a Bible. It was a book that was edited so that one masters could read it to the slaves. Mm-hmm. And for the slaves who could read, this is the only one that they could read. Why? Because they took out all the stuff about freedom. Right. It it kept them in chains. <laughs> it took out everything. They can read this Bible because if they get the Bible where we start talking about freedom. Exactly. Then they're going to be like, where's my freedom? Like Elizabeth Key did in the 18th century mm-hmm. and won. Well, hold up. She was like, she got baptized. <laughs> they was definitely reading a different version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she got baptized and said, I'm a Christian now. You can't enslave me. You can't enslave me. And get your hands off me. And get your, get out. Yep. She sued for her freedom, won it. And then guess what came next? Slave codes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the slave codes, it says one of the slave codes, um, slave codes are things like a slave can't take a white person to, uh, to court. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't sue them. Even if they murder you, you can't press charges. And one of the slave codes is if a slave becomes a Christian or is baptized, uh, they, that does not liberate them or make them free. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they said, whoops. <laughs> exactly. That ain't Ooh. happening again. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> that ain't happening again. Reprint it. <laughs> Take that out of there. Yeah, man. So what you have, 
and this is one of the reasons we've been talking about this because today, you know, we want to kind of set the foundation because the Bibles are going to be our foundational book. Mm -hmm. So what you have is even today, Mm -hmm. we are struggling. And many people who have left Christianity or the ex-evangelicals or the people who want to uh, deconstruct the faith, the problem is they are looking at how the Bible was abused Mm -hmm. to oppress people. Right. And they're saying, this is why we can't trust the Bible. How can we ascribe to a book Mm -hmm. that was used by the oppressors Mm -hmm. to oppress folk? And I have nothing but complete and total agreement with that. Right. Problem is, the book was misinterpreted. And you can't use a misinterpret, you can't judge a book by its misinterpretation. You can't, but I'm going to judge the people who did it. Mm hmm. Um, and it honestly, it makes sense. Like really thinking about a lot of the man-made traditional rules of the old school church, mm-hmm. just simply like breathing wrong, yeah. <laughs> and 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 pastors find, just flipping through a couple of pages to try to find why the you breathing wrong was justification of you sinning, yeah, and 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 making you feel guilty and and living in that, like just simply. And, and not to get on a whole rant, but there was one time that I was supposed to go to a concert in um, a previous pastor. Uh, and it wasn't even a secular concert. It was a CCM, mm-hmm, Christian, mm-hmm. Uh, Contemporary Christian Music Concert. And it was someone I, I loved and I was so excited, bought my ticket and everything. But he wanted us to sing at an engagement. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I I already got these tickets, blah, blah, blah. And he found a scripture and and I didn't have to go with it. But at the time it was just like, okay, I feel like I'm sinning against God. If I don't take this engagement, he talked about, well, God gave you a gift. And this is where the Bible talks about using your gifts and blah, blah, blah. And why you shouldn't go out and, 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 and do this or attend this concert. And so I didn't end up going. Yeah. But it was almost like I was manipulated. Well, yeah. basically, I was manipulated into believing that, once again, if I went to this concert, I had a first-class ticket to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I believe that what you're talking about is one of the long-lasting effects of colonization, where we have, where the Bible was weaponized to make it so I can impose my will over those who I considered lesser than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've been doing that in church ever since the days of colonization and probably even before. Right. Like, and it's, you know, they did it for the purpose of greed and wealth. This pastor you're talking about, he did it for the purpose of having his praise team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing, but it's just in a different context. And these are the things that we have to begin to discuss and challenge and come against right. because so many people are like we're trying to reject this book called mm-hmm. the Bible which is the inspired word of God the inspired word of God the book is amazing when you get to understand it the book is amazing when you break it down the book is amazing when you have it as, get a relational level uh, have it on a relational level um, uh, the Bible is like this. this is one of the best um, uh, someone said this referring to uh, I think the book of John, but I'm going to use it to refer to the Bible. They said the Bible is like a a, a beach mm-hmm. or it's like the ocean. All right. It's like the ocean. Um, the ocean, if you go out in the middle of it, it's it has a depth to where you'll never reach the bottom. Okay. But it also has a shore where anybody can play in it. Right. Okay. I get it. Break that down for me, cause I <laughs> yeah. break that down for me a little bit more. Yeah. So basically, the Bible, you can the Bible, God, the Bible is set up so that anybody can understand it, but it's also set up to where it can make you wanna, it can make your head explode. Okay. <laughs> so now, with speaking that, yeah, to under like the Bible can be for anyone who understands it. And then we're talking about as far as like basically manipulation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And this may be for another day, another topic, but mm-hmm. can you briefly real quick talk about as far as like different versions of the Bible oh, yeah. and how it can be broken down. So that way people can understand it. But 
do you ever feel like sometimes it just it, it can get to the point where it's like you're not even getting all the meat of it yeah. and you're just getting what you need to survive suffice you in the moment yeah. so what did not happen let's start there <laughs> what did not happen is someone looked at one version of the bible and said i don't like this i'm writing my own bible okay <laughs> that's not what happened um that's what a lot of people think and believe and that's, that's a lot of bible critics that's what they think and a lot of the conscious crowd brothers out there mm-hmm. um that's the mumbo jumbo that they are out here spreading that oh the Bible was uh, you know was written uh, just to control the masses or control the people you know and, and that's not what happened first and foremost the Bible was not fully officially compiled and we'll talk about that in the question you're going to ask me mm-hmm. um, it was not officially compiled until um, about the fifth century okay. Now, that does not mean that scriptures were not out there. It does not mean that uh, the, the, the word of God was not there. It was just not canonized and compiled. Before. So when you have Jesus Christ die, um, that at the, after the day of Pentecost, that ushered in a new era, that ushered in the era of the church, the time of the church. And then the gospel was being spread through preaching and oral tradition. So people were talking about the word of God. People were talking about the life of Jesus Christ. People were talking about all these things by way of oral tradition. Mm -hmm. Years go by and people realize, okay, Jesus is not coming back as soon as we thought he did. He was. So we have to begin to formalize this religion. Part of formalizing this religion is, okay, well, what are our what a part of it was what of our what are our documents? What are the documents that we're going to use for teaching? What are the documents that we're going to use for instruction? Mm-hmm. And wow, what Paul just said that. Paul just said, Hey, all scripture is God breathed okay. for teaching, for instruction, for rebuke, for correction. Um, and that's when uh, they began to compile the Bible together. Okay. There were all kinds of letters, all kinds of books. We have canonical books and not canonical books. Not canonical books are basically books that don't make the cut. And it's not because people didn't like the book. The reason they did not, it did not make the cut is because it did not come off as authoritative. It does not come off as in the same tone as the books that were considered canonical books. Canon basically means the measure or the cut. These, if you made the cut, that means you're canonized. If you don't make the cut, you're non-canonical books. Okay. So what happens over time is, you know, you have scriptures that are written in Greek. Mm-hmm. The world's bigger than Greek. Not everybody's speaking Greek. Right. Right. Um, uh, what eventually happens is Rome becomes the power of the world. Okay. And, 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 and the language is shifting. Okay. All right. So a guy by the name of Jerome, he comes and he translates the book from Greek into Latin. Okay. The Latin Vulgate. Okay. Latin Vulgate doesn't work for everybody. So now you have uh, the Latin Vulgate and you have, I think it's the Eastern Orthodox Church, which is still, um, the Greek Orthodox Church, which is still written in Greek. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of language discrepancies there. <laughs> a lot of language discrepancies there. Right. Um, so um, eventually what happens over time is, you know, it's like, all right, well, we need to compile a Bible that's for the whole church. Yeah. All right. And then you have a little bit later, okay, well, that's not good. So we need a, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, there's still language barriers, there's still language gaps. So basically what's happening is as language changes, mm-hmm. people for the purpose of being able to make it so the Bible's understood, create new versions of the Bible. Not for the purpose of editing it, but for the purpose of making it so it matches the language that the people are talking. Right. What you're talking about, what's the most popular Bible is the King James Version, 1611 mm-hmm. Bible. That was written in 1611. King James said, look, we got too many people out here. I want a Bible that fits us. We're not Latin speaking. We're, you know, we're not German. We're mm-hmm. not. We're, I want a Bible that the English, the new world can read. Right. So he brings together all these people and he says, all right, take those Bibles and interpret it from it went from Greek to Latin to all these other languages. Now let's put it in English. Okay. And that's the first well, that was the first, but that was the most popular the first popular English Bible. And then every so often that's what you see happening, just to kind of shorten it. Every so happen, often that's what you see happening. Language changes. Mm-hmm. We need a version of the Bible that matches what we are speaking. So now it's a, it's very um controversial. The Message Bible. It's very controversial. Very. Very controversial. <laughs> but that's the Message Bible. The Message Bible is in that vein. It's like, hey, 
this is let's write a Bible that people understand. Right. Now the guy who wrote the Bible, the message Bible is a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. This dude is a Greek and Hebrew scholar. Mm-hmm. He's a pastor in the church, reading the King James Version. And he said, I'm sick and tired of preaching to a people who have a book that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So he wrote the message Bible. <laughs> This, he's a scholar though like you know what I'm saying so no it's not a good study bible it's not <laughs> cause you go from thou shalt not kill to kill no good <laughs> don't do it right 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 so it's wrong so, yeah so when it comes to and, and that's what it really comes down to it's really about that yeah. how we speak how we talk that's why the bible changes and for individuals out here if you want a recommendation um, I say new, uh, the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Amplified Bible is pretty good. The New Living Translation is pretty good. I like we use here the New American Standard Version because I got a mm-hmm. bunch of people who like to study, and that's a really good study Bible. The NIV, eh? The NIV, the NIV Bible. The problem with that one is it's a gist Bible. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So what is the gist of the passage? Um, and, and there it is. So yeah, man. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, hey, this is great. We got a question. We do. And then we're going to break it out of here. Don't y'all judge me because you was kind of talking about it a little bit. Okay. So, my question, fact or ridiculous? Or fact, fiction, or ridiculous? Yes, yes. The Bible was compiled at the Council of Nicaea. 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 You said that perfectly. Hey, come on. Fact. Fiction or ridiculous? That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Okay. It's ridiculous. Real quick, tell me why. <laughs> Real quick, because we got Because I mean, time. the question was com- it was constructed as if it was true. So I'm like, no. oh, this must be true. No, that's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I say that because you know, and a lot of people, and this is the purpose of the broadcast. A lot of people are on social media saying, "Did you know that the Bible was compiled by Constantine mm-hmm. in 325 <laughs> at the Council of Nicaea?" <laughs> And they say it like, that hard. Yeah, man. You ever seen them videos? They're yeah. like, you know, with that little eerie music in it. Right. And it was like them stupid little goofy faces. Oh, my God. I found out today that the Bible was written by Constantine. Constantine, the emperor of Rome, who was conquering the known world and was trying to transform civilization, had the time to write a Bible. The whole Bible. <laughs> idiot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that stuff is no, so idiotic. Ir- it's so idiotic. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. The Bible was not even compiled until the 5th century completely. Mm-hmm. The Council of Nicaea, what, there was a controversy, and it was for one controversy why they came together. And it was the Arian controversy. Mm-hmm. The Arians, they did not, they were uh, uh, kind of like the offshoot of the Gnostics who they did not believe um, in the, basically, uh, that Jesus was basically 100% man, 100% God. Okay. You know what I'm saying? They believe that the flesh part of Jesus was like subservient to the spirit side of Jesus. Mm. Deep controversy. Deep, deep, deep controversy. Yeah. So much so that there was two churches basically being formed. Okay. There are the churches that were Aryan and there's the churches that were, you know, the Catholic universal church, not the Catholic religion, but like universal. They're okay. going two different directions. Constantine at this point in time. He, um, or not 325, but at Constantine at this time, he had already declared Rome mm-hmm. or Christianity to be to the religion of Rome. And he uh, said, look, let's get all these bishops. He invited like all these bishops all over the world, like 1800, I think, but only like 300 came. Okay. We have to, con- we have to, we have to settle this. And um, their, um, the, their, their finding was that the Arian doctrine was heretical. It was false. Okay. That's what the Council of Nicaea was about. Okay. But people, next time y'all see that, laugh or put in the comments. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> God. Why are you breathing so hard? Oh, my I'm God. Right. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know? At the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> that's where they created Jesus. Jesus was invented at the Council of Nicaea. Stop it. I can't. I'm going to have to do some research on that. I want to see these videos. Uh, look it up. <laughs> Look up Council Nicaea. Put on TikTok, Council Nicaea. You know, a bunch of garbage. Right. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. All they're doing is recycling what they saw somebody else say on TikTok. Idiot. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Well, go off after. It makes me mad. <laughs> Shoot.
people believe in this stuff. Oh, and everybody think they're a council on Nicaea. Exactly. I don't even know what it is. But anyway. but no. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so anyway, that's to help those who are out there struggling with this whole, the Bible's written by Constantine. Well, I appreciate the information. And it definitely gives me something to think about and provided a little bit of perspective. Amen. Going back to... Um, as far as like you know why we why we read the bible why it's important yeah. why it's just not another book so yeah. i appreciate the knowledge and you have to understand and this is one why we're talking about this with theological soul food is because colonization has kind of created a new concept when it comes to manipulating the bible and people still do it to this day for their own purposes yep do you have fun i have fun I love it's always this. a good time. <laughs> and you learn something. I learn something. I get the laugh. Long day, but hey, here we are. Here we are. All right. Well, thank y'all for tuning in. You get final words for the people. No, no final words besides thank you for tuning in. Come back next time. We're gonna have some more uh, theological soul food knowledge going on. And yeah, peace right. out. Sounds good. All right, y'all be blessed. Talk Peace to you later. Out.